And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% and on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Guess what? You're back from Japan. Let's talk. Let's talk the Ryzen and um, Bellator fights that were over there. What did you think? Dude, it was cool. It was really <laughs> cool. No, well, you know, I was I was able to go over and do the first Ryzen when they you know first start up as a promotion and and you could see if you'd ever been to pride or dream you could see how they were you know trying to incorporate the same elements they were the same you know people to a point but they've got it down now again it's back to that incredible walkouts the incredible production and the way they do it how big things are i mean that freaking ramp that those fighters were walking yeah. down it was a good 60 yards long, man. And, you yeah. know, and a lot of them enjoyed it the whole time. They, they, they actually they sucked it in, and they, they just took that moment. It was awesome to watch. You know, the, the crowd was great. It was a – we did those fights on a Sunday morning, I believe. Mm-hmm. And place was packed. Uh, all the wow. fans were awesome. So J- Japan MMA is coming back. They were, they were definitely there. They were wanting to represent Ryzen. Uh, the fighters were, I actually, you know, cause I, I said that I thought it was a very important moment for MMA and it is mm-hmm. very important that you had two major promotions going together, putting fighters from their, you know, their stable, their contracted fighters against fighters from another promotion, because, mm-hmm. you know, this is where a lot of people have gotten into, you know, following what Dana, because Dana got ripped and it, I don't blame him. But Dana got ripped when he was first uh, president of the UFC by Pride in giving over Chuck Liddell to Pride and then didn't get anything back. And he said, I'm never going to do that again. And unfortunately, he stuck to it. Now he's stuck to it to the point where he looks at it like, why am I going to damage my product if I put a fighter of my, out of my stable up against a fighter of another stable and he loses? It just damages my product. There's no reason to do that. I don't blame him again. Mm-hmm. But it was really neat to see two major promotions come together. They didn't care, you know, if their fighter. Well, obviously they cared if their fighter won or lost. Yeah. But in the end, it was it was just great to watch. The fighters had a blast doing it. Um, just the whole thing was a lot of fun. Yeah, there's a couple things. There's a couple different ways of looking at it. Like you know, I I used to do commentary for One FC back in the day, um, and Rich Franklin still works for them. Yeah. But that was one thing Lenny Hart called, you know, I'd fought over in Pride, I fought in Dream, and she was the announcer, and she announced me for those fights. And and Rich Franklin had told me, he's like, that's the one thing I always wanted her to announce my name, you know? And because, you know, he never he never had a, an opportunity or a chance to fight in Pride. No. And um, he, fought, he, he fought in Japan, he didn't fight yeah, in Pride. Didn't fight in Pride. So that was that was the one thing that he wanted. He wanted he was he always talked about because she was she was working for one doing the announcing yeah. for them, and um, he's like, man, I just it sends chills down my spine to hear her announce. I would love to have her announce my name. You know, so, she came up. She came up to me. I didn't know that she was going to be part of the show. It wasn't yeah. even any of the production stuff. And then she came up to me before, and I've known Lenny for a long time, and she's yeah. just a sweetheart. And I go, hey, what are you doing? She goes, yeah. I'm, I'm announcing, I'm announcing Fedor and Rampage. And I go, nice. oh, that's awesome, right? And she's, yeah. she's just special. Yeah, she, she got, is. She's so unique, you know. It's, she's awesome. The first time I ever met her, definitely not what I expected. Like, 
I was just like, that voice comes out of you like that. It doesn't. Exactly. It just doesn't go. No, it doesn't. You know, and it was. It caught. It definitely caught me off guard. I thought overall for the sport is extremely good and healthy for this conversation to be had. You know, um, <clears throat> I think also like not to talk about politics, but like I just feel like it's this conversation needs to be had like how some conversations need to be had in politics. It needs to be had from promotion to promotion and which guys need to fight each other. And I, I, I'm not saying this needs to happen all the time. I would like a, a one, maybe once a year, year end show where you take a couple of your best guys from each promotion and you put together fights, you know, and um, it's, it's what's right for the fans, Josh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're looking at this and you're going, okay, in the end, this is not about promotions. And yes, I work for Bellator. You work mm -hmm. for Bellator. And I, and I hear people, oh, you're a nut rider on Bellator. Hello, I work for him, you dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, but I'd never say anything that I believe to be untrue about yeah. any other promotion. I will yeah. only speak the truth. If they do something good, I'm going to say, man, that was great. If they do something I think is bad, I'm going to say that's, I think that's horrible. That's just my honest opinion, but I don't say anything about anybody that's not the truth, according to me. Yeah. But you look at, this is not about promotions. I don't give a shit about the three letters of the UFC or the word of yeah. Bellator or one or right. I give yeah. a shit about the fighters and yep. what's best for the fighters and what is best for the fans. What's best for the fans is to see those fights that they normally are not going to be able to see because one fighter is contracted to this organization and the other one is contracted to this one. And it's really good to finally be able to at least put some of those fights together that you would like to see. It doesn't have to be champion versus champion. Even though Bellator has done that with Ryzen, that's great. It doesn't have to be that. It just yeah. put your fighters out there so they can show what they can do against those other fighters that they're normally not going to have that opportunity to compete against. Yeah, Japan just has that that aura about it that just kind of resonates the old school MMA fans. You know, when you think about when you're talking about Chuck going over there and fighting in Pride, you know, and fighting um Alistair Overeem and then he fought Quentin, but it was like when he went sure Dana got ripped, but the other thing as well is it they were kind of like always considered UFC at the time was considered like second tier compared to yeah. Pride at the time. Yeah. So that it benefited him to send Chuck over there. If Chuck sure. had a great performance, you know, which he did against Alistair, but then didn't do so well against uh, Quinton, but still regard, it still benefited the UFC more. So I think he's seeing that like, Hey, it benefited us to send Chuck over there. We didn't get anything in return because we were considered the second tier promotion at the time. Everyone we used to just all, just pile into someone's house and just, you know, prides on tonight. Like everyone would just sit in and just watch it, you know? And so um, it wasn't, that wasn't really the case at the time with the UFC. It was like, okay, UFC's this weekend. All right, who's fighting? You know, like it was like we we're picking and choosing. That's kind of, I think, a little bit where Bellator is right now. We've got a lot of good talent, but we're still kind of trying to make sure that people understand and see our talent to see how good they are. And so that it does benefit us more to cross promote with the UFC. I can agree with Dana on, you know, not doing it with us for that reason. But I agree with you 100% that it's very important for the fans to get to see it like in a year end show. Let, let's just like you said, not our champions. Let's just take like I would love to see Steven Thompson and MVP. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. You, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> n neither guy is. I mean, MVP is getting closer to a Bellator title shot. But Steven Thompson is, you know, he's at I think he's lost what two in a row now or he lost. No, a, he won his last one. He won his last one. OK, yeah. So 
You know what I mean? Like, but there's, they're, they're not really like, they're kind of in the same era of like getting ready for a title shot, but not really ready there. So not, not there yet. You know what I mean? I know Stevens fought for the title a couple of times, but I'm simply saying that if those are the type of fights that would, it's the, what if fights, the, what if this yeah. was to happen, you know? And those are the fights that I'd love to see. And I was, it was great that Bellator did it. Um, you know, with Ryzen, I think I think it's going to be a continued relationship. Given that Scott's always had a relationship with Saka Gabara, and no. you know, and and even past him, mean, he's when I when I was fighting for him in Strike Force, and I had just left the UFC because they got rid of the division. He actually reached out to um, a manager that was over there, and he's the one that got me into Pride before he even had Strike Force MMA. So he had made a couple phone calls and was like, "Hey, you know, um, this guy Motico. fights. Yeah, he fights me. Um, <laughs> he fights kickboxing for me in Strikeforce kickboxing. At the time, I was fighting kickboxing matches for him, and he's like, uh, I got to keep him busy for MMA because he had basically told me like, hey, we're going to start the MMA promotion here shortly. So he kept me busy in Pride with a fight over there, and then then we started Strike. Then he started Strikeforce, and then he's the one that negotiated and got me into Dream as well to fight Kawajiri on New Year's Eve. You know, so those are like he's always had a good relationship Scott has with uh, with the Japanese. You know, he used to run K1 USA. Yep. So that's how I think that's a big reason why his relationship was so strong with, with them in the beginning. So I'll tell you, one of the things that I forgot, because uh, I, I had gone, come back from, I, I came back from Hawaii. I ended up being home in where I lived for like eh, maybe eight hours before I had to be on a flight to go back to yeah. LA so I could spend LA for you know a couple of hours with my grandkids to spend christmas with them and then i took off for japan on christmas day and by the time i get there it's it's you know december 26th and i had forgotten what japanese mma fans were like because i walked into the hotel you know just expecting to you know go to the reception desk get my yeah my room and all of a sudden i get one person that comes up to me can i have a picture absolutely come on right and all of a sudden there's 50 people in a line yes. all of a sudden the line's 100 people long and i was like Oh my god, and I was exhausted. I'm like, oh yeah. my god, I forgot. But that yeah. was one of the things that was so cool to see. Not me, but I was watching and seeing Patricio Pitbull. Now his brother Patricky was fighting. Yeah. And he had, you know, Alara Joani out of his camp. She was fighting, but he wasn't, he was just there to support. You saw lines, 200 people long of people standing there to take a picture, get an autograph from Patricio, from all of these different fighters. And you go, yeah. yeah, that's what makes Japanese fans special. They don't care what organization you're from. They care that you are someone that's a warrior that puts it on the line, that goes out there and fights hard every time. It was really cool to see. When I fought uh, in Dream against uh, Kawajiri, there was, I kid you not, there was probably 18 to 20 people, uh, girls sleeping outside my, my hotel room. <laughs> they were they were like they were in the hallway just like sleeping in the hotel was letting them be there and i was like all right whatever but it was just funny because you're it's true they they all just kind of like congregate around you oh, know yeah. and uh but they're absolutely amazing yeah you see them that downstairs they're in the they're outside the hotel they're in the lobby they're yeah great people man really really the culture itself speaks for itself but then the, they're just really good people like fun to be around very energetic, very happy all the time, smiling, and uh, they take forever to take pictures, but it's amazing. <laughs> one more, one more. It's always one more, one, yeah, one more, more, one more. One more, that's it. One more, so anyways. But the uh, what I liked was the production looked absolutely phenomenal on TV. Um, it just reminded me of, you know, the times that I had fought over there, and 
And it was something that I think that, like Rich, I had Rich Franklin was talking about, that big long ramp, just things for them to, like that, those are things that most fighters will never get an opportunity to do. No. And to do it there is and just- it's cool. So crazy, and I wanted to know how well the fighters adjusted. Like no crowd noise until something happens. It's like it's not. They don't really talk. They and don't it's, it's, it's. I don't know what it came. I haven't. I haven't gone back and watched it. I don't know what it looks like on TV, but to give people an idea, that screen that you're seeing those fighters on, you're seeing their fights, you're seeing their face, all their promotional stuff. That screen has got to be eight stories high, mm-hmm. and about. 50 yards wide yeah. it's huge enormous you know and it's just just the entire atmosphere with the lasers and the way they do it they just they just have a gift for that side of promoting the fights that's it's just unrivaled yeah the fans are great the you know the show's always amazing and uh you know i mean there's little things that go along with with fighting over there. Like you always, sometimes you gotta be scared that the, or scared that they'll change your opponent when you get there. Yeah. <laughs> don't even don't ever eat the sushi in the back locker room. Just <laughs> just stay away from the bento yeah box. yeah stay away from the bento boxes. Ask uh, if Kevin was still alive, Randleman, he'd tell you, and then Dan Henderson, he'll tell you. I will tell you. Stay away from uh, the bento boxes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not sure how long that that sushi's been sitting there. <laughs> So, uh, overall, good show. I enjoyed it. Um, any fights, any fighters, or any fights that stuck out to you? Yeah, actually, you know, a couple. I thought, first off, I thought Watanabe, being from Ryzen, <clears throat> you know, having the judo background she has, you know, she was getting popped in yeah. stand-up. And you saw her also, she grabs a two-on-one on that arm, and she was not letting go of it. And I thought she did an outstanding job of bringing the fight into the realm where she could win the fight. Yeah, you know, and showed a lot of hey, that's that's a lot of intelligence as you as a fighter say, I got to stick with this. Let me go back to it. You know, and she she got a good fight. That was the one fight. And looking at it, I thought that's a good fight for them. I think that they can win that fight if Watanabe fights her fight, and she did. Yeah, I thought Lorenz Larkin looked unbelievable. Yeah. He was so in control of that fight, man. And I, you know, I've always liked uh, Keitaro. You know, Nakamura is tough. I, I always thought he got screwed over when he was in Vegas when he fought Drew Fickett. That was mm-hmm. bullshit. What happened to him? And uh, he still he's got a great record. He is tough as hell, but he got hit with some huge shots. And you know, when you're there and you can hear it at times, it's like oh. And he just kept coming, and he just slowly and systematically was getting beaten down. To the point, you looked and you said, you know, you were wondering if Lorenz was going to be able to stop him, but he stuck in there, man. A great performance by Lorenz, and man, just showed how tough Nakamura is. So that that was a really good fight, I thought. So I'm hearing that it's going to potentially be Lorenz and MVP next. You know what? If it is, that's going to be a hell of a matchup. The, now... I'm gonna I'm gonna dabble into something else that that you've been getting criticized for because you try to make the comparison. <laughs> oh, I'm a, between I'm a horrible person. Anderson Silva and MVP, and go ahead, elaborate and explain to people exactly what you're talking about because people well, I, misunderstood I, what you were talking about. Oh yeah, but that, you know that's okay because it's so funny and, and they get so passionate about you can't say that and it's like stop. Yeah. All right, I'm not talking about Anderson over his entire career. All right. If you want, if you yeah. want to break his career into sections, I can say this and say in the beginning, his first 17, 16, 17, 18 fights, whatever you want to go by, 
Anderson Silva had decent competition at times, good competition at times, bad competition at other times. You know, he fought and lost to Dajiro Takasi. You know, and Takasi was four and seven. Okay. His first 20 fights, he's 16 and three, 16 and four. I'm sorry, somewhere in there. And he fought good fighters in Jeremy Horn. He fought guys like uh, Mock Sakurai, but Sakurai was a 170 pounder. Most yeah, of his small career, guy. And actually fought, should have fought 155. He did at times, but he was small. So to say, well, that's a big win. And it's a good win over a good opponent, but he's fighting way out of his weight class. Yeah. yeah. So I got to give the best fights that he had were Jeremy Horn was a big win. He fought Carlos mm -hmm. Newton. And a lot of people look at Carlos and go, man, he was an incredible fighter. And Carlos was the guy that fought really tough fights his entire career. He just fought monsters. <clears throat> and, you know, his career ended up somewhere around 16 and 12 mm -hmm. as far as his overall career. I, I think he was 12 and 6 about the time that he fought Anderson. And Anderson won that fight on a flying knee. It was a beautiful win. Yeah. But then again, he lost to guys like Rio Chonin. And Rio Chonin's a good fighter. You know, tough guy. But if you want to match these people up in different ways, you can. You know, it's MVP has fought one fighter with a losing record his entire career. That was his second fight. Mm -hmm. every other fighter he's fought has had a winning record mm -hmm. so you can't sit there and say oh they, and all i hear is they're giving him cans if you don't like michael venom page fine you don't like him i'm telling you he's one of the most exciting fighters i've ever seen yeah. all right that's just as simple as it gets he is exciting to watch he is fun to watch he puts on a show now has he had bad fights yeah he's had fights that you go he was he didn't do what he's supposed to do in that fight. Yeah. He wasn't able to perform. You know, and one against a guy, you know, Fernando Gonzalez, a very tough fighter, and a guy who has fought guys that Anderson Silva fought, came out with the, you know, I'm trying to think of God, who did he Anderson fight? Oh, Anderson fought Alex Steedling. Mm -hmm. So, you know, back when Alex Steedling was, I think he was called the Brazil Brazilian hunter or something yeah, like yeah. that. Not yep. the Gracie Hunter, but the Brazilian Killer or something, and mm -hmm. and he he had a really good record at the time. But Anderson uh, cut him open. That fight was stopped pretty fast. And Fernando Gonzalez he fought Alex Steebing. Fernando Gonzalez beat Alex Steebing. Same thing off of a cut, you know. And then you can look at MVP if you match these and you match them up correctly for that first MVP's got now eighteen fights. Mm -hmm. So I was going off of him stepping in there with seventeen fights. It matches up very well. Now, that, that does not mean that MVP's career can be matched against Anderson's career at this moment because, you know, Anderson's career, he then goes on a streak after he loses to Yushin Okami on a DQ, which was an yeah. icon in Hawaii. He goes on a streak with Chris Lieben, and then and it, was, it wasn't only the win streak, it was the way he was winning. And obviously, MVP has to match that to maintain that, yeah. You know, same type of career path that Anderson had. But you go by their first 16, 17 fights, you can sit there and you can argue with me all day long. It's very similar. You know, you can sit there and say that Anderson fought good fighters, and you can say that MVP has fought good fighters. Paul Daly's a great fighter. Mm -hmm. Okay, People can sit there and say what he wants. He has fought mm -hmm. some wars and has won against really good competition. Yeah. Okay? 
guys like George Masvidal and all of them, okay, Paul Daly is a good fighter. Mm-hmm. And MVP won. You can sit there and not like the way he won. He won. He His only loss is to a guy that is a stud. Yeah. And if you go back and watch the fight, he was fighting well in that fight up to that point. He just made a mistake. He got starched on that mistake, and that can happen. He's got one loss to Douglas Lima, and Lima's the champion. He's got nothing to feel bad about. If you don't like watching him, great. I think you're crazy. It's the same as I used to say that anybody that doesn't watch Demetrius Johnson is a fool because he's special. MVP is special. He is fun to watch, and I will continue to whatever people want to say. Jock ride him. I don't care. He's that good, and he's that fun to watch. And we'll see what happens in the next part, next half of his career. I think people try to make excuses on who he's fighting based on the fact that he makes them look so bad. It doesn't matter who you put in there with him. Like he starts to make them look bad. He makes he starts to frustrate them. They can't pull the trigger. And and if you've ever, if you, if anyone's ever fought somebody who's really fast or like has different types of like side, like you know like Stephen Thompson, the sidekicks, all those type of things. I used to train with Thomas Dion, who is a, a French like uh, Sancho guy. And it used to frustrate me so much because I love to kick. Well, he would catch all my kicks and throw me on my head. And I'm like, this is, I'm a wrestler and I'm a kick. I can kick. And, you know, I always used to pride myself on being able to, you know, land leg kicks. And he was always catching everything and just dumping me. You know, it didn't matter what it was. Push kick, catch it, dump me. Side, you know, body kick, catch it, dump me. You know, it was like, but it, it's guys like that. And the speed of him, too, just the flinching, the movement. The, every time he turned his hips, I would go like this. And it would make you hesitate. You, t- you take good fighters and you make them look less than par. And that the yep. problem is, is then now people are like, oh, these guys are cans. No, you're just fighting someone who has something that you are not used to dealing with. And so it makes them all look bad. That's it. I mean, okay, let's be honest. He's fought no Sean Burrell, fought in the UFC. Ricky Rainey went when... Page fought Ricky Rainey. He was nine and two. He is still fighting in the UFC right now, mm-hmm. and he got starched by MVP. You can take a look at his last opponent. Look at Anzai. Where did he just come from? He just came from the UFC. It's just that Page makes people look bad. You just got to give it to him. He is that good at what he does that he can yeah. make a fighter. And you saw it in Anzai right away. He tried to get a takedown, and then all of a sudden he's. He's just almost kamikazing himself going in, trying to get himself to tie up with him. And then when he ties up with him, he can't get him down. And that should tell people, hey, Paige is not just a stand-up fighter. He's mm-hmm. good, man. This guy has been working at this. He's an MMA fighter. His clinch game is good. Now, I'm not saying that he can out-wrestle Ben Askren. He can't. Okay? He's not going to be in a submission game against Damian Maya. He'll lose. Mm-hmm. But they have to go through a shitstorm to get to where they want to be, and when they start to get tagged, you start to that shitstorm starts to pile up more and more, and you don't want to get into it because it hurts, and you're mm-hmm. getting hurt by him, and he's gonna make people look bad. The same as Anderson when Anderson went on his run with Chris Lieben and then took out Rich Franklin and Travis Luter and all those guys, and you know back to back to back. You know, he had, I want to say, maybe eight stoppages in a row before Thallus Latus was the one that he ended up going the distance with. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, Anderson made all those people look bad. And that's what made Anderson who he was. And so 
MVP is doing things exactly the same. You can sit there and you can think that I'm an idiot. That's okay. I really don't care You know what someone's opinion is because I know the truth. Yeah. I was in there with both of them. I see it. Mm-hmm. They're very similar. Yeah, I know. I think stylistically they're very similar. And I think also, too, the progression in the sport is shown to be very similar, yep. like like what you're saying. And let's not forget, though, even though Anderson was winning, you know, defending his titles and getting people out of there, I mean, he wasn't fighting world beaters, you know? Like, Patrick Cote was not the world yeah. beater. You know, Talos Latis really wasn't a world beater. Travis Luter wasn't really a world beater. Nope. You know, these are guys that, like, after they fought for the title, we never really heard from them again. You exactly. know what I mean? So they're not, you know, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to discredit them, but the when you're talking, like, the best guys in the world, I always think of guys like a Rich Franklin or an Anderson Silva or a John Jones or like that quality of guy. He wasn't defending against those those quality of guys all the time. So when people want to criticize MVP, look, you're not going to fight the best guys all the time, but at least you're fighting guys with winning records, you know, and you're you're fighting tough guys. You know, if if you go to, you know, the go to Bellator's matchmakers and talk to them and see how many people MVP turns down. Yeah. It's not him turning down fights. No, it's not. It's the other way around, and there's a reason for it. Yep. Yeah, people just have a hard time. Like Dave, uh, Rickles. Rickles is like, Rickles. oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, I want oh, that fight. I'll take I want that. that. I'll get to him. Yeah. Now talk to Dave Rickles about fighting him. Yeah. It's Dave Rickles says, I couldn't touch him. Yep. Couldn't no, even get close Dave, enough to hit him. Dave Rickles, is a, he's a tough, gritty, durable fighter that, you know, he can fight with anybody. I'm not saying he's going to win the fight, but you know you've been in a fight. Yep. Couldn't touch him. Actually made him just say, I've, I've had enough. What yeah, that's that's something that you just can't make. You can't. It's hard to make those type of adjustments in the cage. You know, yeah. you need to kind of prepare for it a little bit better. And, and then when you get in there, it's still the preparation you did in camp never really mimics what's going to happen in the fight. Yeah. So um, what else? Uh, we were going to talk about the Connor. Connor basically saying Khabib is afraid of him. <laughs> I love that. Come on, he's afraid of him. Josh, you know he's afraid of him. I would. you know he's afraid. (laughs) I can. Look, I'm a big Connor fan, but sometimes it gets a little ridiculous. Uh, You know, the the only part of this that scares me is this. He might believe it. No. (laughs) It's good if he believes it. I have no problem with that. But he has a fight, and he has a fight against a tough guy. Yeah, now, I do think that he has the advantage in that fight, and going against the southpaw is tough for Donald. Yeah. But you know what, Connor better be on his A game to beat Donald Cerrone because if he doesn't get past Donald, then there's no question about that Khabib fight. It ain't gonna happen because yeah. you lost. So put all of your energy, all of your attention, everything goes towards Cowboy Cerrone in January 18th. And then after that fight, you want to put your attention to Khabib, go ahead. But just make sure that all of your attention is where it needs to be right now. And right now, that's on Cowboy. Yeah, I don't think he fought. I, I, I don't. I think I think Tony and Khabib both make it to the fight this time. I, I think. <laughs> God, I hope. I hope so. You know, it would be sad to see this fight never happen. Um, uh, I, I think they both make it to the fight this time. And but I think I think. I think Connor leads towards Mazadal. I think that fight's going to happen over the Khabib one. That's you know we talked about that before, and I, that was my my whole thing was hey okay he's going to fight Cowboy. I think that sets him up to fight Masvidal, who has been talking about how much better and bigger he is, and that it's yeah. not even a fight for him. You know that's just not true. And if he gets past Masvidal, that sets up the perfect yes. timeline 
for Khabib. And it also, because Connor's fighting in January, and Khabib's not fighting till April. Yep. So if he can get a fight somewhere close to April, May against Amazvidal, now you're talking, now you've got all, you've got two fights under your belt. Now you're putting yourself in a position where this is a good opportunity to be in line with all of your training being right. Everything's setting up perfectly to now go back off of two wins yeah. and getting that chance against Khabib. But he's got to get past two really tough guys yeah. in both Cowboy and Masvidal, and I'm not sure you can do that. Yeah, I, I think he'll get past Cowboy because, I mean, I'm just getting nervous reading all of Cowboy's interviews, and I'm thinking to myself, <sighs> come on, what are, man. Whatever his trainer is saying, he's only got a left hand, and I'm like, okay, dude, you have been watching yeah. videos with your eyes closed. Okay, don't say that. Please don't Please don't tell me that's what you're, you're going after and that's what you've been telling Cowboy because that's just wrong. Yeah, it's it's kind of frustrating. I'm thinking to myself, man, at least attempt to take down or you oh. know clinch or something. I'm just hoping, but it, whatever. It is what it is, and uh, you know you can lead a horse to water. I so I just you just know with him, he sometimes just doesn't fight smart, and he'll just throw caution to the wind and like know. fuck it, let's just do it. And I'm like, nah. Yeah, but that's just, what, you know. That's what's made him who he is. I know, but no, win the he's... fucking win the fight first, man. <laughs> win the fight first. Uh... Anyways, it's just one of those frustrating moments uh, for me. I mean, look, I, look, there's no way Khabib is to where we're to go on our talking point. Connor basically said that you know uh, Khabib's trembling in his boots. Trembling, trembling. He's afraid of him. He's afraid trembling of that rematch. Is an awesome word. <laughs> I can I can assure you all that are at home listening and watching that he is not. It's not even a second thought to him. This, I could, I could, let's put it this way. If Khabib care. was standing outside naked in the Siberian forest wrestling a bear, he, there would be no tremble in him. No. Okay? <laughs> he's not trembling. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Not at all. I, I'm ex I'm 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 actually excited to see that rematch because you'll get a Connor that has been active and then goes into a fight, that, an MMA fight with, you know, potentially more time and to work on his takedown defense and a, a little bit more of a game plan. You know, I think the last fight got put together so fast and it happened just out of the blue. It was like, what? I hate you. Oh, I hate you. Boom. Connor's Connor's. Uh, court stuff is over. Let's make the fight happen. <laughs> it was like it was all that quick. Well, you're right because and you got to figure all the time that Connor had stepped away from MMA, mm -hmm. had stepped away from all the things that he was doing before, only to train in boxing. All of that time leading up to that Mayweather fight, and then all that time that he was doing nothing, you know, living living large, but not training and doing things the way he was. And, you know, I, I've I'm lucky enough I get to talk with John every now and then. John is incredibly impressed right now with where Connor is at. Is he just being and a so, trainer, though? Is he just nope. being a, a trainer? Nope, he's not. You know, he's always been very honest with me about things. You know, and he'll he'll like, eh, you know, he'll give me the little bits and pieces, you know, about well, we're worried about that little part, but you know, we don't want people to know it because he knows I'm like. He's very impressed with where Connor is at. He honestly believes Connor is looking better now than he was when he was training for Eddie Alvarez. So my concern though is that is it is at one seventy, and my my next concern is that he's putting on a little bit more muscle mass. He's never been known for conditioning and cardio. He's very fast and explosive. Uh, he's got power, all those things, which generally tends to peter out towards the third, fourth, fifth round. 
That's what concerns me. That concerns me a lot. That would make you the, you know, the smart man that you are because you understand the sport and him putting on. And I, I saw him, he's gotten bigger. No doubt about it. You know, this whole thing about, oh, he's too small for Maswell. No, he's not. Okay. Mm. But when you put on size, you put on muscle, your heart does not change. Your heart Mm. doesn't get bigger. Your heart just has to pump more blood to all that muscle. So it takes a while for your body to adjust. If you are going to go up in size, it takes a while for that heart to adjust to being able to pump that blood. And so it is the question, how long has he been, you know, training at that weight and can he maintain a pace? I believe that he can maintain the pace as long as he's the one in control of the fight he's going to be able to maintain the pace. But if you're mm-hmm. able to make him uncomfortable, you're able to push him past that comfort zone and make him stay there for you know either short or extended periods of time, that's the question of now what's he going to be like going into the next round. Yeah. Yeah, he, he does. it just scares me only based on the fact that he's had a history of you know not having a, a great ga- uh, gas tank. And so putting on that muscle, like you're saying, just not pumping the same and putting it on so fast, you know, having the being getting big that fast, your body doesn't have a chance, I think, to adapt to carrying that amount of weight. You're not used to training with that amount of weight for a long period of time. You know, it takes us years to get our body acclimated to training with whatever weight, whatever body mass you have. And so that's what concerns me. I mean, that's a, that's a good legitimate concern, I think, I believe as well. But if John's saying that he's looking good, sure, he looks great. But does he look the same in the fourth and fifth? That's the that's the, my concern, you know. Because Cowboy, he, he'll still be there in the fourth and fifth, and he'll be trying to push the pace. Well, if Cowboy yeah. can survive that left hand and all the other things <laughs> that McGregor can do, then yeah, that's a you know I I look at it. If you're going to be a guy that's going to break down that fight, Cowboy needs if he can't land something early, which that can happen in any fight. But I don't mm. think it's going to happen for him. He mm. needs to get this fight into those fourth and fifth rounds. Yeah, that's where he can do his best work. He needs to get it into a phone booth. Also, I think he needs oh, to get yeah. within that range where he needs to take away his reach, his length, his kicks, his power, and his punches. He needs to. He needs to do all those things. He needs to fight him in a phone booth. Try to press him to the fence. I'm not saying he needs to try to like drop down on the legs and get a takedown, but he needs to. He needs to keep him in that phone booth, that elbow knee clinch kind of area. So and, and one thing that Cowboy is really good at is if when he does fight in that phone book, phone book, phone booth area, and the phone book's even smaller. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, if he fights him in that phone booth, he's really good at he takes a step back with his right leg, plants with his left, and he brings the kick up high or to the body really well yes. and sets it up really well. So if he can do those kind of things, he has a very good chance. Yeah. He, I think he did something like that against Melvin Gillard, right? He kind of like did that just... against Gillard. He did that against uh, Martins. He's, you know, he did it against Rick Story. Yeah, he's yeah, done yeah. it multiple times, and he's yeah. so good at it when he when he sets that up because you'll just see him all of a sudden he'll take that step back, boom, plants a foot, and here comes the kick up high, and he's yeah. good with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're now at, we're. I haven't seen you since last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Um, it was bad com bad comedy. Um, yeah. So, your expectations for twenty twenty? Oh, you know, when it comes to the MMA world, 
My expectations yeah. for 2020 yeah. is unless you plan I, on having more kids and stuff. I mean, I really no, know no, what I, you're I, talking I, about. I'm just, I'm looking at it. I expect in 2020, I become king. Yeah, that's, <laughs> just, that's just my expectations. <laughs> all no, right, all right. You know, in the MMA world, my expectations are, you know, ah, man, I really want to see certain fights. One being the one you brought up. I want to see MVP and Lorenz Larkin. I, I had talked to Scott Coker, you know, before they decided not to re-sign, you know, Rory McDonald. And I was, you know, talking to him and saying, man, the fight you need to make is Rory McDonald against MVP. Mm. That's because Rory had a chance to fight Stephen Thompson. I did that fight up in Canada, and you know, Stephen Thompson just was able to control everything in that fight for the most part. Rory was diving for Imanari roles at times and just unable to get Stephen Thompson into range for him. And I thought he could have learned a lot off of that fight, which would have made him more apt to do better against MVP and that way we could see exactly where MVP was at too. I just thought it would be a really fun fight. But you know, since he's now moved on to PFL and God bless him, good luck there. I think it's a great place for him. I, I hope he does well. Um, but uh, he, he's a, I really think that that Lorenz Larkin versus MVP fight is a fight I want to see. What about, U- be fun. what about the UFC? In the UFC, man, the things I would love to see you know, a lot of people are uh, bringing up Wei Li and, and who she should fight and to move out of strawweight into flyweight, and I hope she does not do that. Eventually, I would love to see that, and that would be one of mine for 2021. I would love to see Wei Li versus Shevchenko because she, I think Shevchenko is actually the best female fighter out there. Yeah. Overall, yeah. she's phenomenal. Yeah. And... Uh, I really would love to see Zhang against Shevchenko, but give her another year. I don't think I don't think that's going to turn out well right now if she goes against her here in 2020. Uh, I think there's other people there for her to fight, so that one is one you know I would like to like hold off a little bit. Uh, but I would love to see the you know they, they've talked a lot, and I would love to see. I absolutely love watching Adesanya fight. Israel Adesanya is fun. He, you know, he's he's MVP. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, just the way it is. I want to see Adesanya against John Jones. I think it would be fun. I think it would be yeah. just exciting. You know, but in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. Yeah, you know, I can understand it could be that because you know he's got John's got a tough fight in Reyes coming up. Yeah, and then you know. I know that they've talked about, you know, Rumble Johnson coming back and being at 205 and, and Rumble possibly fighting, you know, a fight that he should have already fought against Jones. Yeah. It didn't happen, but I don't, I just don't see Rumble getting to 205. <laughs> Every time I see him, I go, there ain't no way. Yeah. Uh, he's huge. Yeah. But he, he's got some weight on him. Oh, I just don't see that happening. It's kind of yeah. like kind of like producer Dave. He's got all fat, fat over the holidays. He's got like three chins. I'm looking at him now, like, man, what happened to my producer? Did you eat him? <laughs> Coming from you, yeah. you're really like, you're like tool five right now. Oh, so um, let me see. I mean, honestly, I haven't really given it that much thought. For me, for me, um, it's not so much as the fights as it is the expectations from the promotions. Um, 
I want to see them all grow. I want to see them all succeed. I want to see, I just, I, I feel like certain promotions like, like PFL, I don't feel like it's going to be around very long. Um, I think they're going to struggle. You know, they're paying a lot of people, a lot of money. I believe yeah. like, I believe like Kayla Harrison's making $500,000 a fight, which is, <laughs> which is just fucking ridiculous. Yep. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not trying to discredit her props to her manager which I think is Ali or you know, for doing and getting the job yeah. done or whatever it is. But regardless, I'm glad that she's getting paid. I'm glad she's making money, but that's not a good business model. If you're going to keep your promotion in business. So that scares me a little bit. Um, they're going to probably be gone. I think, um, I think one, there's been a lot wow, of holy, buzz. Holy, you are calling for the death of the PFL. No, nah, I'm not, I'm not call, I think, I think I honestly believe, I think by the, probably the end of 2020, I don't know if they'll be around. I think because their yeah. TV deal ends when 2020. 2020. Yeah. Yeah, and um, there's already been talk that they they had reached out to to DAZN. They got rejected. Uh, NBC Sports has already rejected them, and they were already on NBC Sports from before. Yeah. They're they're that not was, going. That was, that was also a time buy. Yeah. So. So, but I'm simply saying, like, there's not promotions that are out there that are not. I mean, networks that are out there going like, hey, we're try to develop your product you know um so i i think there's a lot of buzz as you read i just posted this thing about uh shinya aoki call yeah. basically saying that one fc is hemorrhaging money and he doesn't know if they're going to be around he's like all the signs that he sees from behind closed doors he's like just doesn't look like they're going to be around long uh, you, know? you know i talked to shinya in japan and it's it's always tough because you know obviously he speaks japanese and i don't <laughs> but yeah. But, but the guy with him kind of did. And, you know, I just said, hey, it was good to see him. And, and he said, man, good to see you. And I said, are you enjoying yourself where you're at in one? He goes, yeah. He says, but maybe I can come back here and fight in Japan. Mm -hmm. You know, he says, for another organization, maybe coming up and be part of this. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I didn't take it. And then I saw the story. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe, Yeah. you know, he's got it in the back of his mind. Maybe he is going to go back to Ryzen. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing. I I've, I've fought in San Jose so many times. And there's nothing like fighting in your own your own backyard. Yeah, you know that first fight when I fought Cleguita was a rough one, but after that I got all the cobwebs out of just being nervous and dealing with family and all that stuff. But I mean, it's there's nothing like fighting at home. You know, there's I I never wanted to fight anywhere else after I started getting comfortable fighting at home. It's just great. It feels so wonderful. Um, so my expectation is for the. For I'd like to see all the organizations succeed. That's one. And then two is, you know, there is talk. There is a lot. I don't know how true it is. And uh, those of you guys that are coming to us thinking that we're going to know a little bit more than everyone else is it's not true because things like this, when you're talking Viacom and CBS merge, are we going to see Bellator on CBS? Are we going to see them on CBS Sports? Are we going to see them yes. on Showtime? Yes. Those are things that we've yes. heard. I'm yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I'm hearing that we but, are. But do not buy into what I say yeah. because I am an idiot. <laughs> just talking out of my ass. Now, you know, you would think that's where that's what's going to happen. And yeah. honestly, I think it's going to happen yeah. obviously sometime in 2020, but you don't know. Yeah, I think the relationship's already been had. Like, you know, uh, Scott's already worked with Showtime. He's already worked with CBS. They had a great relationship when it was Force, And then now basically just reinserting themselves back into like, hey, it's a different promotion, but we're still the same company. And if people don't understand, a lot of the people that work for Scott 
uh, for Strikeforce, they're now basically working for him at Bellator. So you're dealing with the That's same type. called Bellaforce. Uh, yeah, Bellaforce. <laughs> that would be cool. We should change the name to Bellaforce. That'd yeah. be funny. Um, it's just one of those. It's. I think it's the opportunity has presented itself, and I am ex I'm extremely excited for it to happen. If it does happen, I'm hoping it happens in 2020. But I, I sounds like it sounds like it may. But I mean, like I said, we don't know any inside scoop on that. But I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, that's another one. And then, um, as far as with the UFC, you know. I, I would, I'm just going to keep going back to I want to see the cross promotion. I want to yeah. see just one. Give me one. Give me, yeah, give, me gi give me the Stephen Thompson MVP fight. Give me, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, it's like, give me, give me something, you know. Um, let's, let's see Volkanovsky and Patricio. Yeah. I, two little, the, you know. Well, you, what did you just do? You said it doesn't you know. have to be. That's champion versus champion. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you can't know. do that. And, and but, I understand why they, I understand why the UFC goes, I can't do that. I, I yeah. totally understand and I'm not. You know, I, someone asked me in a tweet, you know, about, you know, do you see the UFC? And I, and I was as honest as I could be saying, look, no, I don't see that happening because yeah. there's, there's, they don't get a win out of it. If yeah. their guy wins, it's like, okay, if their guy loses, then they lose this perception. And, and it's a perception. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, call me whatever you want. Fighters know there is no difference between the top fighters in any promotion. Yeah. You go there, you're in for a fight. Okay, and that perception that many just, uh, I don't want to, definitely not the hardcore fans, but the casual fans out there have this perception that the UFC has all the best fighters. And that's okay, but that yeah. will kind of be torn apart a little bit, even with the casual fans, and that's something they don't want. And I don't blame them. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, smart, it's smart on their end. Yeah, it's business. You know, and I'm not saying this because, oh, you, you know, you're hating the UFC. No, I'm not. I love the UFC. I love the, I love MMA. Now, do I love everything the UFC does? No. No. Okay, I don't. Because a lot of it, it's just like not, not nice. But yeah. overall, as a promotion, I love what they do. I love the fights they put on. That's why I watch them. Yeah. Okay, because, you know, it's not that I hate the UFC. I don't. I love the entire, you know, aspect of what they bring and what they bring me as the fan that I get to watch. But I don't think that they're ever going to do that cross-promoting. Yeah, Not until so. things get so much to where people are now putting other organizations either yeah. right with them or ahead of them. Yeah. And I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, yeah, it would have to be like we're basically if CBS and Showtime and CBS Sports were to catapult Bellator into that upper echelon, then it would be one of those things where you see Connor and Mayweather. Look, money wise, it makes sense. Oh, Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. Then, you know, <laughs> that, that much I money? Could, oh yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, all right. Well, um, well let me ask you this. There, there's, there's something going on. Dave brought it up, right? The, uh, the UFC has surpassed uh, NFL. The subscribers or followers on Instagram, like they've got more followers than the NFL does. But I, people want to make a big deal about it, which I think it's I think it's awesome. I think it's great. But the other thing too is that UFC is worldwide. NFL is not worldwide. Yeah, just so we're, just so we're on the same page. The U.S. likes that version of football. The rest <laughs> of the world does not. You know, like we're branching it out to Mexico and to the U.K. But it's and sure they're packing up, but they're only getting one or two two games a year, you know, out of the season. So, um, 
you know, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me at all that they would be finally passing the NFL. It is it is a good milestone. I think it's cool. I think yeah. great, whatever. Well, but for them, you know, you got to yeah. look and they go, hey man, we got more more people are following us on Instagram than they, than follow the NFL. That's Advertisers cool. look at that and go, whoa. Yeah, that's that is huge. But if you break down and again, here, here I go and people are going to say, oh, you're bashing the UFC. No, I'm just being no. honest. The NFL is a North American based company that doesn't really travel far outside of North America. And but if you took the numbers of people from North America uh, on Instagram with the NFL and the people on Instagram in North America with UFC, you're going to find that the NFL is way up here comparatively. Yeah. But when you bring in worldwide, and, and that's the best aspect of what, you know, MMA brings and that the UFC has been, you know, slowly continuing to branch out and create this worldwide brand. Mm-hmm. They worldwide are now bigger than the NFL. Pat them on the back. Outstanding yep. job, man. You know, that is one hell of an accomplishment because the mm-hmm. NFL is a huge organization. Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty cool. I think it's a cool little milestone. I mean, honestly, it for, is. for a sport. I didn't even know was, that. So thanks for telling me. A, a sport that was struggling to survive back in you know, <laughs> two thousand. You know, all the way up until two thousand. So, anyways, uh, uh, that, that. that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I remember those days. Um, what else, Dave? That's my fa- that's, Josh. That's my favorite part is when people will sit there and say that I don't know. You know, you don't even know about the UFC. <laughs> Just look at them and go, "Yep, you're right. Yeah, I know nothing." That's when you know you can't have a conversation with someone. It's just oh, like, dude. you know, it's, it's funny because a lot of times I'm, I, you know, I want to, tw- I want to, you know, tweet them back and say, look, and I'm, I'm not a snowflake. I don't get hurt by your little comments. It doesn't bother me, okay? Yeah. But I can't have a true conversation with someone that's got twelve followers, because yeah. okay? I know what you're doing. So I'm not yeah. gonna go back on with you. Yeah. It's just, hey, if you don't like something I say. Good. I don't really care if you like something I say. Good. I'm kind of like Jocko Willink. You know, you yeah. tell me, hey, my dog died. Good. Go get another one. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. Hey, you know, hey, j- j- just look at it the right way. Just, hey, there's something good that could come of this. Let's go get the good. That's true. That's funny. <laughs> Very um, referee way of looking at it. What's that? A very referee way of looking at it. Yeah. That's it. It's a very Objective. referee way. <laughs> um. So you want some fan questions? Yes, you had a couple that you had in mind. Yep. Uh, so sticking in tune with uh, 2020, uh, the 360NA asks, which fighter do you th- guys think will have a breakout 2020? What do you think? Go, man. Well, it, it, I guess, I, that's saying out of anywhere. <sighs> with all the featherweight uh, Bellator fighters uh, in the tournament, do you think there's anyone in the tournament that may have a breakout 2020? Adam Borks. Adam Borks. I I I think now he's gonna win the whole thing. Oh! I'm gonna gonna give you my little insight on this. Now this is gonna be your now dark horse. Your third dark horse. Not. Well, not not all of us picked the guy as the dark horse to win the whole thing. That was already kind of scheduled to win the whole thing. Talk to me, baby. Talk to me. You know, it's, <laughs> he like picks the favorite. I said no, pick a dark horse. He picks AJ McKeith. I'm like, I that's not the guy a dark no horse. Talking about <laughs> that's not a dark horse. Anyways, um, the reason why I say Adam Borks is there's a lot of buzz right now going around. Uh, 
365 down in Florida where Michael Chandler trains and Michael Johnson, all those guys. And I'm getting it from a very good source that guys like Michael Chandler don't even like to train with Adam Borks because they can't take him down and he's too good. Like he's just piecing him up. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. And then I've been told on from multiple people that it's true that that guys like Chandler and and those guys don't spar with him anymore because he's he, technically he's so good he's getting so, better to it, the point. It's it is kinda, so funny that you get the same things that I get, but I get the other side of that. Oh really? Let me hear yeah, this. So let that's me, pretty good. Let me hear this. You know, I was talking to Michael about him and talking about training and stuff, and and he says he goes, I, I don't see, I don't spar with, spar with him anymore. I said, why? He goes, he likes, he likes to go too hard. He goes, I got to be smart in the way that I go about my training. He says, and, you know, he wants to punch hard. He wants to go hard. He goes, he's a young guy. He's the guy that I was. He goes, I can't, I can't burn it out in the gym. He goes, so you got to be smart about who you're, who you're going to pick to spar with anymore. He goes, I've, I've really become more selective. Interesting. Boom. Other side of the story. All right. All right. Well. I guess I can see it that way as well, though. Yeah, you've been there. You yeah, for like. sure. For All sure. All of a sudden, like, that guy looks and goes, you were the champion. And yeah. if I can do well against you here mm -hmm. in training, that's going to tell me that I'm good. And that can happen. That's how I felt when Islam Makachev walked through the door. I was like, man, <laughs> I'm never fucking sparring with you ever again. Everything you do no. hurts. He doesn't even look like he's trying hard, which he probably wasn't trying hard, but which is even more embarrassing for me. But he would just fling me around, throw me around. I mean, just in Southpaw, kicks were coming from different angles. I was like, man, I, I'm not sparring with you anymore. You're frustrated. You're, I, you drive me crazy. So, But he was one of those guys. I know exactly what, what Chandler's talking about. When you get older, you know, and... You know, Chandler seems to be a little fragile at times. You know, there, um, yeah. there's you know, there's his, a guy you, you pick Borch and I'll go to the UFC. There's a guy there, Shabazian, Edmund Shabazian. I, who, that name sounds familiar. He, it better sound familiar because he's a stud. Okay. He is a uh, he is good on the ground. His stand up has gotten good. He has just smoked everybody. Uh, I'm trying. I want to guess maybe he's 12 and 0 now, somewhere about there. I know he's got a fight coming up. I know who it's against, but they haven't announced it yet. And he gets this win. He's just moved himself into that top echelon. And what, what weight is he? 185. Oh, okay, okay. So and he's 11 and 0. Huh? 11 and 0. Look at that. I was right there. I was close. 22 years old. 23 years. He's just turned 22. He is young and he is good. Where's he from? He's from Glendale, Glendale, California. Mm. And uh, he is just a dynamite fighter. And I'm really looking for him to do big things. Now, can he beat Adesanya? I don't know. I know if he gets Adesanya to the ground, he can definitely beat him. But in the stand-up, he can match up with Adesanya pretty well for a while. So it, it would be interesting right now. I think he's too young to take on someone like Adesanya, but just give him another four or five fights. And if he, he wins this next one, that he'll have, I think, in March against a, a, a very good-named opponent, uh, he's on his way. Got it. Dave, what else? Um, on the kind of sticking to the Bellator featherweights, uh, Gucci Lame asks, is AJ McKee going to go on a John Jones-type run, or is there holes in his game that are waiting to be exposed? 
Go, Josh. Uh, Since he's there, my pick, go. There's <laughs> there's holes in his game, and they were exposed in Hawaii. Um, he, he's still young. He's careless. He's reckless. He makes mistakes. Um, I, hopefully he learned from that in that fight. I mean, he put himself out of position one time on a kick where I thought actually when he fell because he missed the kick, I thought he fell, and I thought he almost dislocated his shoulder because he fell really awkward and weird. And that's how injuries happen. Just being, just was out there careless. Just didn't fight a smart fight. Do I think he's better than that? Yes, I think he's a lot better than that. But problem is when you have kids that are, when you have someone who's that young and has had that much um, success, they think they're going to go out there. He thinks he's going to go out there every time and get rid of George Carhine and all of them, though. But the problem is that's not going to happen. You're and absolutely so, right. And every time you go in there, you can't have that mindset. You got to think, I'm in here to do work for three rounds or five rounds, and this fight's going to go on. He showed a little bit of his weakness, and his weakness to me was he got sloppy and careless. He started believing the hype in his own self. That's why he fought that way. I go, and then a little bit of it was, did he fight so sloppy and careless that he fatigued and got tired, or was he not in shape? Like, is he someone, is he like a Conor McGregor where he is really explosive and long and, and, um, dynamic and all those things where his conditioning tends to peter out in the four and fifth round. Cause he looked gassed in that going into that third round. I think it was because he was, round. yeah, <laughs> he looked exhausted. But, so that to me uh, could be a, a hole. I want you to go back and you were there. So how much energy did he put out in that first round? Tons. Wasted energy. Wasted, wasted energy. exactly. And this is where, no matter what, you know, I used to tell people this about Ronda Rousey when she was undefeated. And I said, you know, because I was one of the shills that people were saying, you just, you know, shill for the UFC. So I was a shill for the UFC back then when I said that I thought Holly Holmes was a really good matchup against Ronda. This was not an easy fight for Ronda. This was a fight that if Ronda didn't fight smart, she was going to lose this fight. And then Holly goes on and wins it. But Rhonda got into the same mindset or the same, you know, attitude of I, I am knocking everybody out. I am getting rid of everyone and I'm doing it fast. She had just beaten Betch Cohea and not, yeah. you know, that was she got an actual knockout, knocked her unconscious. Mm -hmm. And so it was in her mind that she had all these arm bar wins and they were all fast. And she kept on doing this thing where she had to get rid of people fast. And she would bring this incredible pressure right in the beginning of the fight, which sometimes worked for, you know, Kat Zingano kind of fell into it when Kat went for the takedown and just fell into an awkward position and, and she got the armbar, you know, 14 seconds, 13 seconds, somewhere in there. But AJ's falling into that same mindset. He at times comes in and he'll talk to us and he'll say, Hey, I realize this is going to be a long fight. And he does that. And he fights well for, and he looks really good. He doesn't gas out. And I think he looked at the, especially coming off of the Carhanian fight, eight second knockout. And he looked at it like Derek Campos is not in my league. Derek Campos is not as good a fighter as I am. And I'm going to go starch him and show everyone I am the guy that's going to win this tournament. And he didn't consider a lot of the factors that make Derek Campos who Derek Campos is. One of the factors being he's just a junkyard fucking dog who will stand there and you want to get into a gunslinging battle, he's the wrong guy to do it. I'm not saying yeah. you can't put him unconscious. You can, but he can put you unconscious. And he's the durable guy that's going to sit there and take two to give one. 
And when AJ went through all that energy in the first round, try he got a 10-8 round. I even checked on the judges' scorecards. He won a 10-8 round, but he put out so much energy in trying to get rid of him that then he had to kind of settle back. And it just didn't flow for him at that point. He came up with a beautiful submission victory in the third round. I'll give him credit. It looked great. It was a it was a nice capper to the fight. But he needs to be in control of his emotions and realize, especially in this tournament, I have 25 minutes in my next two fights. 25 yeah. minutes in each one. That's 50 minutes total. If it takes me 50 minutes to get the win, then I'm going to get the win, but I'm going to fight smart the entire 50 minutes. I'm going to remain in control. I'm going to be the guy that controls where this fight is going to be. I'm going to be the guy that controls the distance, the pace. I'm not going to allow my opponent to do that. He does that, then this was a good fight for him. If he learns from it, learns, you know what, I made some mistakes here. And he did. He made mistakes. But if you're going to make a mistake, now is the place to make it in this tournament instead of later on. Yeah. You can't make those mistakes against Patricio. Nope. So, All right. What else? Um, Stu Bolognese asks, uh, if you guys could build an ultimate fighter with other fighters' abilities, i.e. striking, diversity, fighter IQ, BJJ, footwork, etc., what would it be? So I guess like if you could pull up good, good components from other fighters to make like the ultimate fighter... Mm. Who's who's well for me? For me, it would be a, a, a uh, an older generation. I would lean more towards BJ Penn's like dexterity and his style of jujitsu back in the day, but not so much obviously now. Like you know, like but uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of good guys. I mean, uh, Frankie Edgar's, uh, you know, his speed, agility, his footwork, his the way he changed angles and his wrestling. Um, I mean, there was, it'd be hard for me to put together like one person out of all these guys, you know, but are they I mean, asking for one person or are they asking for, okay, I'll take the striking of this guy, the wrestling of this guy, the jiu-jitsu yeah, of this yeah. guy. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Who would you take? The, uh, it, oh, just to have one fighter or one try fighter to mix with the best parts of other fighters. Oh, give give the parts of other fighters. Uh, man. I'd like to have Patricio's power because I never had power in my life. <laughs> I, I'd have no power. I'd like to have uh, Khabib's wrestling. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much that would pretty much uh, Khabib's wrestling. If I had Khabib's wrestling and Patricio's power, I wouldn't have to worry about getting taken down. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's it. I wouldn't have to worry about it. I mean, that That's would it. be it. So I would only need those two things. Good, good. good take you, down defense and boxing. Good. You take those two things. I'll, mm -hmm. You know what? You, you took, I won't take the same guys you take because you can't use them twice. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll take that. I'll take Lovato Jr.'s jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you're never going to get, you're never going to get my guy down. So it won't matter. <laughs> You'll never get him down. Could be. Absolutely could be. But if I'm going to take uh uh, Lovato Jr.'s jiu-jitsu, I'll take Kamaru Usman's wrestling. Still not taking me down. Oh, yeah, I am. You're going no. to the ground and you're going to get submitted. And then on top of that, I want to put MVP striking. Oh, no. Dynamic. Now you're in trouble, bitch. Now I got a little bit of a problem. I got a little bit of a problem there. Yeah, because then I can't take you down because you you got Lovato Jr.'s jiu-jitsu. Yeah, that is a, kind of an interesting question, but if you only had Lovato Jr.'s and who was the other one? The second Uzma, one? Usman's Usman. wrestling. Could be without wrestling Usman all day long. Uh, 
I was going to say Daniel Cormier's wrestling. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, but he doesn't wrestle anymore. God yeah. damn him. Yep. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what happens in the next fight. Would we'll your fighter see. be called the Pitbull Eagle, Josh? Huh? Would your fighter be called the Pitbull Eagle? I don't even know what that means. Pitbull Eagle? <laughs> yeah, well, it's it could be Patricio Pitbull. Oh. And Eagle and come on, uh, man. What's sorry. up? Hello, Josh. Your your memory's fading in your old no, age. No, I know. I'm just I don't. Get Mine yours. would be called I... Nigerian Venom. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's the guy that's I wouldn't want to face. One. That was a good one. That was a good one. I, I just I haven't quite caught on to Dave's sense of humor because it's not really funny, <laughs> but but we're figuring You're it out. You're just too simple. You're just too simple. You get it. I, and I can't understand half the shit he says because of his accent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about another question then? Okay, let's go, buddy. All right, simply a read asks, what do you think Anthony Pettis should do weight division wise? His next fight is at 55, but he's fought practically every everyone in the division. Should he go up to 70? Do you see him ever getting a title shot any other title again? I don't see him getting another title shot at either organization, either uh Weight class. Wow, either organization. You're talking about his brother coming to Bellator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't I, I don't I don't see him getting a title shot at 55 or 70. His best chance was um, after he beat Stephen Thompson was to try and to get another win over somebody up there. But I don't know who he's going to beat. Yeah, once I definitely don't want to see Anthony go to one forty five. He no. killed himself going one five, and he was he was a lesser fighter. One fifty five is, I think, the perfect weight class for him. Can he go to one seventy? Yes, but he is the smaller guy as far as yeah. reach. And length in the 170 pound class, so he's got to get past those problems. But I honestly, he's a dynamic fighter, and the biggest problem is he's starting to break down. You know, injuries are catching up to him, and it's injuries not only in the gym, sometimes it's injuries that are occurring to him in the actual fight, breaking his hand and things like that. And that could happen, but you know, he can fight with anybody, he is skilled, he's got incredible stand up. Go back and think about some of the fights that he had. You know, when he came into the UFC, he was the champ. He had just beaten Ben Henderson, had that beautiful kick mm -hmm. off of you know the cage, you know, and then he lost to Clay Guida right away. That was his first fight in the UFC. Yeah, I remember that. And just wasn't ready for the style that Clay brought, you know, in taking him down and not being able to to create the situation for a submission or anything. And he just. Clay just ground out a win. It wasn't a was not an impressive performance by no. Clay, but it was impressive that it was against Anthony, who's dynamic. But then he went on, you know, that run, got the championship, beat guys like Benson, beat Gilbert, you know, got got Gilbert in a guillotine choke and tapped Gilbert yeah. Melendez out. I think that, that was, was the first time ever. Very impressive, you know. But then he ran into Dos Anjos, lost the title, and he's he has struggled from that point. But he struggled a lot based upon injuries. Mm -hmm. and not being healthy and he's he just needs to you know i think stay at 155 is the best thing for him i don't think 170 is the best there's guys that he can compete against at 170 i just don't think that he can compete for the title at 170 where eventually i do think there's the possibility he could compete because you, you could put him against you know khabib Maybe not the best matchup for him. I'm not, you know, no. saying, but you could put Anthony Pettis and Connor together at 155. Would that be fun? Yeah, yeah, it would be fun. You could put Justin Gaethje and Anthony Pettis together. Would it be fun? I think it would be fun. Mm. You could put Dustin Poirier and Anthony. There, there's some matchups yeah. that I look and I go, that would be a fun, that would be a good fight. And 
Yeah, and that's the difference. Sometimes you got to look and say, one of the things I love about Scott Coker, Scott Coker's not the guy that says, oh, this is going to be the, uh, a great fight. He never he says, I want a fun fight. Show me the fun fight. Give me the fun fight. That's what I want. And yeah. so everything is not about the title. It's about that matchup and, hey, is that going to be a fun fight to watch? And so I think all those fights are fights you can look at. And they're not for the title if you're not if you're taking Khabib out. But all of them, I would, pay, I would put my money down to watch Anthony Pettis in any of those. Yeah, I agree. Next question. It's Go! From my fave book, Bronte Jane Irie. By the way, longest name on YouTube. Uh, what was it like for Big John separating fighters during a match? Did you ever feel things getting too dangerous when you were refereeing a fight? <laughs> Every fight's too dangerous for me. Come on. <laughs> 75 uh, years old, jumping in between so, two young bucks. Come on, baby. Look at that, man. 75, that's pretty good. I, I will tell you that I always... Uh, Man, I felt honored in every fight that I was able to do, that I was able to be in there with people that had, had, had trained so hard and put so much into this, and it meant so much at times to them. I, I was very honored. Uh, did I ever fear anything? No, I'm, I'm too stupid to fear things, okay? Now, that doesn't mean that I don't have fear. There's things that I fear, but it's always the ability to take that fear, control it, and, and move on around it is what you do. And, and the only thing I ever feared if it came to fighting was making the mistake that cost a fighter their livelihood or their life, because that is, that's part of what you are there for as the referee. And it's always been that thing that, you know, there's a club, you know, and it's, it's a club that it's not really there, but we talk, we talk about it as officials. And that's that club of referees that have had fighters die. All right. mm. People don't think about this. And this is when people are out there saying, oh, you should have let it go. You don't know you're terrible and stuff. It's like, let's make this as clear as we can for you. You don't have any, you don't have any kind of in on this situation. All right. You're not invested. Yeah. As the referee, every time you are invested. All right, Josh, how many fights did you have? Yeah, probably how many what, fights? Forty something fights. Forty some fights. fights. Okay, now that's a lot of fights. Mm -hmm. Forty some fights. Josh Thompson stepped into the cage and put it on the line. All right, I stepped into the cage over ten thousand times mm -hmm. to make sure that someone like Josh was able to walk out of that cage and come back and do it again, if they so desired. Luckily for me. That happened every time. Yeah. But it hasn't happened every time for someone. So it is something that, you know, being that guy inside there, there's a lot more pressure than people realize. I mean, way more pressure than they realize. And there's a severity to the actions that you take and what they have as far as consequences to either fighter. So I always looked at I was very lucky. I was very honored to be able to do it, but never worried about who was in there. It was always... My whole thing was always, hey, be fair to both guys and let the best person win. Switzerland. <laughs> Switzerland. Switzerland? Neutral. Switzerland. Neutral. That's it, baby. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. The last one from Cassidy Erickson asks, um, Josh, how did the blood affect you in the Tony fight? And how do you think it will, uh, how do you think Khabib will react if it happens to him? You know, I think every fighter acts differently to it. It was the first time I'd ever had that amount of blood, like, in my eyes. And it was a red fog. And I had never had to experience that 
that much blood. And so um, it definitely threw me off, especially in the third round. I felt like it was it was just a big haze. It was almost it really was like a red fog around everything I was looking at. Like every time I saw Tony, I just saw red around his body, you know, and it was it was it was in the it was everything was foggy but it was a red fog you know the lights everything you know it just seemed like it was it was it was definitely hard to deal with um i don't know how khabib will uh react to it i, I think he's just one of those guys he just just keeps doing what he does and that's it like he just you know if it's he's just gonna keep ramming his double leg and lifting and take down he's gonna keep doing the same thing over like and he's gonna make you to the point where you can't stop it. His technique is so good, his his cardio is so good. Those two things, like if it's not working in the beginning, he'll just keep doing it until eventually you're like, shit. Once you lose one, you're gonna lose two. You're gonna lose three. We saw it with Abel Trujillo. Once Abel Trujillo lost one, he was oh. like lost it, and he just kept losing them and kept losing the takedowns and losing the takedowns. And he lost about twenty of those in that fight. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Because Khabib, Khabib has the record, right, for the most takedowns in a fight. I think he does. Yeah, yeah. That, I think it was that fight. One, one, of the, one, one of the things, you know, that fighters need to do, and it's I, I, people try to understand to understand what having blood in your eyes is, is you, you give the per perfect example. I've had it. It doesn't sting. A lot of people are like, you know, does it sting? It doesn't sting. No. But it definitely it glumps up your eye to the point you just can't see clearly. You're trying to see your opponent clearly, and it's just you keep on trying to get that clear. It's almost like you have sleep in your eye that's colored. You mm -hmm. know, that, that morning when you wake up and you're kind of blinking, that's what it's like. But the thing that I, I try to tell, you know, every fighter I talk to, and I, I, I try to get over to every official that I've ever worked with or every ringside physician is, don't worry about the blood. It's colored sweat. Okay. Yeah. It's not, the blood is not going to hurt you. It is where is the cut at and how bad is it and the placement of it positioning that's where you start to worry about the cuts it's bleeding as long as the fighter is working through that blood you know and you know they can sit there and they can you know swipe at their eye to clear it out once it's when you see the person that you know they sit there and they keep on doing it over and over and now mentally it's getting to them they yeah. are mentally thinking about not being able to see clearly compared to competing against the person that is now trying to punch him in the face again. Yeah, true. So. All right, good. Yeah, good, good, good. Well, Big John, welcome back to the Thank States. You, sir. It's nice Fun. to have you back. And then I'll see you, uh, I'll see you again uh, next week. I'll see you. Right. You are going to be on the uh, the Joe Rogan experience. Yes, I Great am. I, you, you've done the show. I have done the show. Yeah, and how was it? Yeah. You know, it's awesome. Joe's... I love Joe. I, I I bark at him all the time about what he says about officials, and stuff, <laughs> but he's a great guy. He's you know been so good to helping the UFC and the sport of MMA get mm -hmm. all those Instagram followers or whatever it is. You know yeah. he's a big he's a big part of that. He's a big reason why it's gotten to that. So he's he's yeah. someone that I've always have the utmost respect. And he, and the the fact that what he does on that podcast, especially oh. you know, you, you're going to be there for two and a half hours. And it's, he does that. He'll do that two times in a day. He'll do multiple shows in a day and do yeah. four or five shows in a week. He's a, he's a neat guy. Just say, just tell him I said hello. And I'm not mad at him. If someone says that I am.
he can i've noticed he can get after it like as far as like how how much work he does he oh, gets yeah. after it i mean there's like pretty much a new show up every every day or every other day and he's got multiples that go it's, it's impressive of all the knowledge that even if he doesn't know about it he seems to know something about it enough he's to have a, a great conversation and I, I sometimes wonder if he has like a photographic memory because uh, he's he, he's a smart smart guy i mean you, you can't get away from that he's no. super, you're gonna love his place too where he uh, does it that's his man cave all right and you know he's got this warehouse and he's got workout equipment in there he's yeah. got his cars in there he's got an archery range in there he's got it all so that that is a cool spot that he does it at you're gonna like it john we gotta step up our podcast game my man boy we, we do match up with him <laughs> we're in deep trouble bro that's so funny yeah I'm, I'm excited that that we're gonna do the we're gonna film uh january 22nd i don't know when they'll drop it but we're gonna film the week we're in la um I'm excited, man. I've been I've been wanting to do his show for the longest time. Uh, I was able to do Brendan Schaub's show twice, and um, you know, and uh, I'll probably try to link back up with Brendan as well. Um, not while I'm there this time, but you know, probably leading up to the Khabib and uh, Tony fight. But that'd be another opportunity to do something like that. So I'm excited. I mean, that, to me, honestly, when he hit me up and was like, "Hey, you want to do a podcast?" and I was like, uh, "Yep." Thought you'd never ask. <laughs> I was like, uh, "Yep." Just so, ask me one more time. Just one more time. Yeah, just, he's just ask me one more time. He's been he's been he's such a good guy and I actually love all of his shows. I didn't get into him until um she's I want to say like 4 or 5 years ago. I got, I was the first show I ever listened to. And uh god, it just it, it kind of baffled me. I watched the one about this girl named Michelle Phelps Welp or whatever anyways. It was like the girl that had left the church that goes and picket it oh, yeah. at um like gays wet uh funerals. Uh, oh, mil yeah. or military, or military, or, yeah. or military, like they go there and they pick Here, it. Let me, it. Just, they, let me just spell uh, this out for you. L O S E R S losers. Yeah, it was. So she was, I guess the, the granddaughter of the, the people that started that church. And she ended up meeting her husband on Twitter who always used to make her challenge her thought process on why she was doing these things, but in a biblical way. And so she finally eventually left the place and um and it just it got me it just mesmerized me just to listen to her talk about think about it, like once you leave the church like scientology once you leave you can never come back oh no like you know no. And once you leave also too like your family stays but they can't talk to you so like her mom and her sisters they they no longer talk she hasn't talked to them since she left the church it just fucking baffles me and i was just it was that that one was whatever, that was the very first one I ever listened to, and it was the one that just got me hooked on all of his his other shows. Crazy. Anyways, that's that's my tidbit about. Uh, well, have fun. How I start. I will. I will. We'll talk before then, of course. But uh, hey, you guys, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Hit the thumbs up as well. That shares our videos, and we appreciate you. Our numbers are growing, and we all owe it to you guys. And we are so thankful you guys are sharing our stuff. But please share it more. Um, also hit the. Uh, Subscribe button on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all those things. Subscribe to all those as well. No. Anything not, else? You, no. you want to try to chime something in there? Not iHeartRadio. It's not on there. <laughs> huh? Huh, Scotty? Huh? Huh, Scotty? Okay. Big John. IG. Later, dude. Later, bud. What's I, Instagram, John McCarthy MMA. Twitter, John McCarthy. I'm, I'm simple. 
Keep it simple. Keep it the same. John McCarthy MMA. So if you want to get me on Twitter and you want to say that I'm an idiot, John McCarthy MMA, (laughs) and I will not respond to you because I really don't care what you think. If you have more than 12 followers, if you have more than 12 followers, he might might respond to you. He might talk shit to you. I love him. Talk shit, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Please share our videos and hit subscribe. I appreciate it. Thank you.